everyone, welcome back to Let's Talk Physical Media. My name is John. It's just going to be me this week, riding solo. Fate's not going to be with me this week. Uh, we couldn't find a time where we could actually record together. So you just got the big dog this week. And we like to start every single episode of Let's Talk Physical Media with the news. And we had so much of it this week. Starting it off with the big one. If you guys saw my top 10 most wanted 4K Blu-rays for 2024... Then you already know what happened. They announced Major League is coming out on April 2nd, 2024, which also happens to be my 32nd birthday, and it's also my wedding anniversary, and it usually lines up perfectly with the start of the Major League Baseball season. So this release makes all the sense in the world. 35 years ago, this classic 80s film came out. One of my favorite 1980s films, one of my favorite comedies of all time, and it's really jockeying for position. This or A League of Their Own is my favorite baseball film of all time. I really go back and forth. I'm not too sure. I'm sure after I watch Major League on April 2nd that Major League will shoot right back to the top. We get Tom Berenger, Wesley Snipes, Charlie Sheen, just a stacked cast. Great comedy in this movie and on top of that, it's a great sports story that builds to a great conclusion. get all the sports movie tropes in there but it's really just turned up to 10 with the comedy so i absolutely love major league that was the big one that got announced this week also with a really nice exclusive steelbook that looks like the locker from the movie perfect design even the regular slipcover version looks pretty nice where we get the back of charlie sheen's head you know we get the rick vaughn jersey love that you can see the back of his goggles that's perfect love both designs that they did for the artwork there. really just a 10 out of 10 at least based on the pictures we'll have to see it in person we also got an announcement for 1996's primal fear coming to four Okay, Blu-ray, this is going to be under the Paramount Presents line. I'm not too sure what the hell they do with the Paramount Presents line. The releases seem to be very random. We used to get a lot more of these back when there was just Blu-rays. And then we even got some upgrades from their previous Blu-ray releases, like Trading Places was a Paramount Presents release. Then it got a 4K Blu-ray release earlier this year, and that wasn't under the Paramount Presents line. So I'm not too sure what movies they choose to put on this line, but they did choose to put 1996's Primal Fear, starring Richard Gere, Edward Norton, Francis McDermott, just a stacked cast. This was actually Edward Norton's first movie, and I think he got an Academy Award nomination for it. Very well deserved. I mean, he plays a great character in this movie, and I'm not going to spoil this for you because I actually didn't have this movie spoiled for me at all when I went into it. I mean, I only saw this probably like 10 or 11 years ago, and I remember just being blown away by it to the point where I had to watch it again right after it because the ending to this movie, everyone remembers the Edward Norton Fight Club twist ending, but they don't remember the Primal Fear twist ending, and this one might have actually been done a little bit better. I'm not 100% sure on that but it is a fantastic ending to this film and I can't wait to see this one on 4K Blu-ray. I always get a little bit more skeptical on the 4K, on the Paramount Presents releases. Those usually don't always have the same quality of 4Ks as the regular Paramount releases. So I'm hoping that they don't half-ass that one. They definitely didn't on the artwork. I love the design of this. And I also love how Paramount Presents, when you open it up, you know, you get the original movie poster in there. I actually have the Ghost one. That's actually one of my favorite releases that they ever did. Uh, quality of that Blu-ray disc is actually pretty solid. So I'm hoping that that 4K is great as well. We also got Shout and Scream Factory's March announcements, and this doesn't include something that is coming out on March 19th, and that is the Ring 4K Blu-ray box set. That was originally supposed to come out in December, then it got delayed till March. That's still coming out in March, but they also added on some new stuff. We got a couple remakes in there on 4K Blu-ray, the 2013 Carrie remake and the Child's Play remake that came out a few years ago that starts Mark Hamill as the voice of Chucky in this one, not Brad Dourif, and it doesn't actually follow the same continuity as the original. This is really just a standalone Child's Play movie, kind of modernizing it, bringing it to the modern day. 
And it really wasn't met with much fanfare. In fact, most people don't like this movie. I remember not hating it, but I also remember not really caring too much for it. It was a one and done for me. But now that's coming to 4K Blu-ray. Maybe I'll rewatch it. It's definitely not the worst Child's Play movie. That honor will always go to Cedar Chucky in my book. But this one, you know, just because it doesn't fit into the regular Child's Play timeline, even though Mark Hamill is one of the best voice actors ever. I mean, the guy was the voice of the Joker, and honestly, he killed it with that role. For him to do that voice, he did a great job with that. That movie also actually features Aubrey Plaza, and I always love Aubrey Plaza. She'll always be April Ludgate to me, but I always love seeing Aubrey Plaza pop up and stuff. And honestly, her star has really risen over the years after White Lotus Season 2, and she was really good in a lot of other movies as well like Ingrid Goes West. No one really talks about that movie, but that movie was fantastic and she was great in it. I love Aubrey Plaza. She's definitely just one of those gems of an actress out there right now. And they also announced K-19. That, I believe, is the Harrison Ford submarine movie. If I remember correctly, he does a really bad accent in that movie. To undertake an exercise of this scope may be, with respect, premature. One is another one that I only saw once. Not a big submarine movie guy. You know, there's a few of them out there. The Hunt for Red October is probably still the best submarine movie you'll ever get. Had a good scene in Dead Reckoning Part 1. There aren't too many about there. Actually, what am I saying? There is actually a really good submarine movie out there that was directed by Wolfgang Peterson called Das Boot that you should definitely check out. That is the best submarine movie of all time. I don't know how I... I almost let that slip my mind, and I know somebody would have flipped out at me in the comment section. Well deserved, by the way, because I'd be an idiot for, get, for forgetting that one. And then just before I started recording, they just announced that Second Sight is going to be giving us new special edition releases for Green Room on 4K Blu-ray and Possessor on 4K Blu-ray. Now, I actually already have Possessor on 4K Blu-ray. I actually have this version right here that I picked up when it first came out on 4K Blu-ray. And that was actually Brandon Cronenberg's directorial debut that came out, I believe, in 2020, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure, but either way, that movie is fantastic. Really shows that body horror must really run in the family with the Cronenbergs because Brandon Cronenberg was just walking right in his father's footsteps with that movie. Love Possessor. You know, Infinity Pool was not the best follow-up, but I still enjoyed Infinity Pool. But Possessor really is a great modern horror classic, great body horror stuff, and actually has a great story in there as well. Really, really, really enjoy that one. Um, I don't know if I'll pick up that new special edition, mainly because I'm not too sure if it's the same scan or not. I mean, the box designs are incredible. Green Room is one I might actually grab because I don't have that one on physical media yet. Green Room is one of those psychological horror movies that really just gets under your skin. It's really just down and dirty and just kind of gross, but it's a good horror movie, so I'll definitely check that one out again. But I don't know if I'll be checking it out on this 4K Blu-ray. I don't know. Second Sight really does give us some of the best packaging that's really hard to pass up, but it does get a little bit expensive. Look at their Dawn of the Dead release, which is also another incredible 4K Blu-ray release that I don't have. The It Follows release from last year. Second Sight knows what they're doing, and both of these releases just look absolutely fantastic. So that was everything that we got confirmed that's coming to 4K Blu-ray. Now I'm going to talk about two rumors. The first one is for April. It says that Mean Girls will be coming to 4K Blu-ray. Now, this could just be the new Mean Girls, and somebody might have got that announcement mixed up because the new one just hit theaters this week. You can go see it right now. But the original 2004 classic, that's rumored to be getting a 4K Blu-ray release in April. My hope is that we just get them both on 4K Blu-ray. The original one definitely deserves an upgrade to 4k blu-ray that one really is a comedy classic it's my wife's favorite movie or one of her favorite movies up there with clueless and honestly that movie has really grown on me as the years have gone on every time i rewatch that movie it just goes up and up my list a fantastic comedy it deserves a 4k blu-ray hopefully we get that and also we get it in a nice steelbook because i can see that one being a really good steelbook you know i think they kind of missed the window because it's not a christmas movie but it does have one of the most famous christmas scenes in there So if it's not coming out in April, maybe hold off and we'll get it around Christmas time. 
But my best guess is that they're going to want to capitalize on the new Mean Girls movie, and they'll probably try and sell them both on 4K Blu-ray around the same time. Or we'll just get the new one on 4K Blu-ray, and everything that I'm talking about right now is completely false. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. And then another rumor that I heard about is David Lynch's straight story coming to 4K Blu-ray. Now, I'm a little skeptical about this one because if I'm correct, this was a Disney movie. And usually Disney hasn't really been diving back into their back catalog as far as releasing their movies on 4K or Blu-ray. You know, they apparently have Fight Club just sitting there all ready to go, haven't given us that. So I'm skeptical about this one. And this is also David Lynch's, like, most unknown movie. You know, it's a great movie. It's funny that it's called A Straight Story because David Lynch makes these very dark and gritty and just uncomfortable horror movies. This is the guy who brought us Eraserhead, Mahalan Drive, Lost Highway, Twin Peaks, Firewalk with me. So he makes some pretty fucked up movies. And Straight Story, it's not. It's just a regular old-fashioned story about two brothers. One brother is dying and the other one decides, I have to go see him. And he gets on a lawnmower and he's just going to travel across the country to see his brother before he dies. That's the whole movie. It's a beautiful movie. I haven't seen it in probably 15 years. I also didn't know when I first saw that movie that that was a David Lynch movie. <laughs> you know, at the time, I was pretty young, so I wasn't too familiar. At the at that age, no one was showing me Mulholland Drive or Lost Highway. Had to come to those on my own, look up David Lynch, and then it was like, oh, shit, he directed Straight Story? Of all the movies in the world, it just shows you that there is a soft side to David Lynch. Although, if you ever watch him on Twitter and X and stuff like that, he's a pretty funny guy. He also played John Ford at the end of The Fablemans, which, if you didn't know that was David Lynch, like me, like it just kind of flew Bio. You didn't notice that was him sitting there in that chair, but it was. It was David Lynch. So that was pretty cool to see him pop up in that. So we had plenty of announcements, plenty of rumors about movies that are coming to 4K Blu-ray. This week on the channel, I'm going to be actually be reviewing Lone Star in 4K Blu-ray, a movie that I have never seen, but the box art from Criterion really caught my eye. At the end of this month, we got Train Spotting coming to 4K Blu-ray. The Conan movies are both coming to 4K Blu-ray. So we're going to wrap up January with a nice little bow. Then it gets a little slow at the beginning of February again. Uh, the Columbia Classics Volume 4 is coming out. I'm probably not going to be able to pick that up on release because that price is a little bit too high for me. But I will be getting Footloose that week, which is awesome. That's coming to 4K Blu-ray. But things are still kind of trickling in, and we're going to be picking it up really once we get to March. March has a lot of good stuff. Like I said, the Ring Trilogy is coming to 4K Blu-ray. We're getting The Abyss, True Lies, and Aliens on 4K Blu-ray. People really are shitting on that True Lies scan, the DNR now. I'm going to hold off on shitting on it until I see it for myself. I didn't buy the digital scans. People have to remember, those digital scans, yes, they're the same scans, but they are compressed for digital releases. So just imagine what they'll look like on physical releases. I would say judge it more on that, because I have heard from people that saw The Abyss in theaters that it looked great and there weren't too many dnr issues but then when people are watching it on digital they're noticing these dnr issues mainly with true lies so true lies seems to be the outlier in the three aliens in the abyss aren't getting rave reviews but they're not getting as killed as true lies as true lies is getting killed and again just remember that we haven't had true lies or the abyss on 4k blu-ray or on blu-ray the last time these had physical releases were on dvd but at least we're getting them in the form of a new release in the point where hopefully we get some new extras on there i know aliens they said that's just going to be repeated extras but hopefully we get some new extras on there. And at least we'll have the film for our collections in case there's ever an apocalypse. At least you can say, hey, 
I could put True Lies in my 4K Blu-ray player. I'll just have to pretend that Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't look like a wax figure. That's all it's going to be. But either way, I'm going to hold off on how I feel about those movies until I see them for myself. So that's going to do it here for the news portion of the show. Yeah, we really had a lot this week. We had to make up for the last few weeks, but we just had really nothing. And man, I am so excited for Major League. Any of these news stories stand out to you? Let me know in the comments section below. Let's move on to the Q&A portion of the show because we have a lot of questions as well. Oh, uh, actually, I jumped the gun there a little bit too much. Forgot about one more rumor I wanted to talk about, and I think this one will probably come to fruition as well. Born on the 4th of July, the other Oliver Stone movie that stars Tom Cruise in an Academy Award-nominated performance. This one seems to have gotten forgotten as the years have gone on. It came out in that same late 80s, early 90s window where Oliver Stone was really on top of the world when he was putting out The Doors, Natural Born Killers, JFK. You know, Born on the 4th of July was in that group as well, and it was a hit at the time, but it just hasn't aged as well, according to a lot of people. I still think that movie is really, really good and shows that Tom Cruise can act, which I already knew that. A huge Tom Cruise guy. Which, again, speaking of rumors, I've also forgot about this. Apparently, we're going to be getting Top Gun 3 from Paramount. That's been rumored to be worked on. I'm seeing it all over Twitter at Slash X right now before I started recording. Uh, I hope they don't do this. I really don't want them to make Top Gun 3. I think they closed out the Maverick storyline perfectly. Now, if you want to make a movie about Top Gun and all the new young fighter pilots, I'm all game for that. But you closed out the Maverick storyline so well, I just don't know if Tom Cruise can say no to that. If he does come back for it, I hope it, I'm hoping that he's really just a supporting character and they let somebody else take the lead in these movies because just like Tom Scarrett in the original one, that's what Tom Cruise should be leaning into. That old former Top Gun guy, you know, I know that's kind of part of the Maverick storyline is that he could never settle into that role and we kind of saw him starting to settle into it at the end of the second one. So hopefully that's the kind of route they go if they make this movie. And it's funny they announced this because this week they also announced that Tom Cruise has signed a deal with Warner Brothers. They're going to give him an office in the Warner Brothers building and apparently he's going to be getting projects together for him to star in so there's also rumors now that edge of tomorrow 2 will finally get made gonna ignore those rumors because those rumors have been going on since about what 2018 still no movement on it every once in a while you hear emily blunt make a comment or tom cruise make a comment like hey we still want to do it but then there's no movement on it so maybe he's getting that in motion who knows i think this could possibly be like he's going to be the moderator that brings together warner brothers and paramount if you guys remember from a few weeks ago it was rumored that paramount was interested in being sold to warner brothers they even sat down in new york city to talk about it you know nothing really came of it or at least nothing came of it that we know about because nothing formal really happened it was really just a conversation but tom cruise has had this long working relationship with paramount like forever and for him to sign a deal with warner brothers get an office in there it really makes me think it makes me skeptical now these are all rumors that i just made up in my head where it looks like it's possible that this could help them mend that marriage and bring together Warner Brothers and Paramount. Now, again, I'm going to say it again. I do not want that to happen. I do not want Paramount to get sold to Warner Brothers or vice versa. I don't want them to merge. I want them to be separate entities. I just really feel like we're going to have too many people under the same banner. We already have Sony owning how many different companies, Disney owning how many different companies, Warner Brothers themselves. It's Warner Brothers Disney now. I mean, it's Warner Brothers Discovery now. It's not even just Warner Brothers. And think about all the companies that they own. We just can't have that. We just got to have everyone be separated because it's just going to water down the market and it's just going to be harder for people to get jobs. So merging like that really does cost people jobs. And apparently another rumor that came out this week is that Disney is going to be laying off 20% of Pixar staff during this year, you know, to make up for the losses that Pixar has had. Now, what really frustrates me about this is that 
Pixar did nothing wrong. Disney bought Pixar in 2006. Pixar has put out quality product after quality product. I'm not a fan of the Cars movies, but people love them. Other than that, to me, Pixar very rarely misses. I really love Turning Red. I love Soul. Last year's Elemental was fantastic, made me cry in the theater. So they still know how to tug at your heartstrings. Now, Disney Animation, on the other hand, Wish failed at the box office last year. They've had a lot of misses over the last few years when it comes to Disney animation. So why are the Pixar staff getting let go? Are they trying to say, you know what, you guys haven't made money? When really, Disney set them up to fail by as soon as the pandemic happened, Onward was in theaters and went right to Disney Plus after that because theaters were closed. And then they put out all of their movies on Disney Plus until recently with Elemental. So it's nobody at Pixar's fault that you guys made these decisions. What you've done is you've groomed your consumers to believe that Pixar movies will eventually end up on Disney Plus anyway, so they don't have to rush out to theaters to see them. You have to reintroduce your audience to the theater experience. Unfortunately, everybody put their eggs into the streaming basket, and it's cost a lot of people jobs, cost a lot of companies money. But of course, big corporations like Disney, Warner Brothers Discovery... They're never going to blame the people who made those decisions. The people who are going to get hurt by it are, of course, the people doing the actual work. God forbid they ever cut money from the CEOs, vice presidents, or the people at the top. No, they can make poor decisions and still make millions of dollars. Meanwhile, a person working 16-hour days, he has to sit there, keep working 16-hour days, and then be worried about job security because... The people who lead him have set him or her up to fail, which is really disappointing to me. I really hope that these rumors aren't true because that's the stuff that just, that irks me to no end. I just hate corporate greed and, oh man, this world is just filled with it at this point. So I'm going to move off that and finally go into the Q&A portion of the show. Sorry about that. Got off track. Forgot about some news stories. And the first question is from Blu-ray Collector 18. He wrote, the underrated Blu-ray that isn't given much praise. And I actually have a shining star for this one. And it stuck out the second you asked this question. And that is the Independence Day Blu-ray. Now, Independence Day does have a 4K Blu-ray. It actually came out in the early days of 4K Blu-ray. I think it might be a Sony release. I'm not 100% sure because I actually don't have it because I felt there was no reason to upgrade that Blu-ray. That Blu-ray is lit perfectly. The colors just pop off the screen. You know, the audio is still pretty good. Visually, I mean, you really have no issues with it. It's a fantastic Blu-ray. And because that's an early 4K, Matt actually picked up the 4K Blu-ray. We did a comparison ourselves to look at it because he felt the same way as me that that Independence Day Blu-ray was fantastic so when we were comparing it it really isn't that much of a difference so the independence day blu-ray is really the one that stands out to me as being one that hey you should pick this one up it's fantastic you don't need to upgrade to 4k blu-ray it's rare where you have a blu-ray where you feel like you don't need to upgrade to 4k blu-ray now we've had 4k blu-rays that have been worse than the blu-ray i'm looking at you heat planes trains and automobiles and t2 now people are a little bit indifferent on heat i know some people actually like the 4k blu-ray of heat me personally i've watched it on three different tvs with two different 4k players it ain't working for me. I'm sticking with that Blu-ray. I like the resolution increase, but I do not like the color changes with heat. If you like it, I can appreciate that. I wish I did. I still have it on my shelf. I would prefer to watch the 4K. And just some honorable mentions. Now, these are Criterion Blu-rays, so this, you know, kind of makes sense. But, like, The Player on Blu-ray from 1992, the Robert Altman film, that is a fantastic Blu-ray. Now, what's funny is he did a movie in 1993 called Shortcuts. I just watched this Criterion Blu-ray last weekend. That Blu-ray is really starting to show its age, and that needs an upgrade bad. But yet, The Player, which was filmed and released one year before it in Los Angeles, just like Shortcuts takes place, for some reason, it has just seems that just they look bad. Some scenes look really good, but some scenes just look 
really bad, and that needs a new scan. Even if you don't bring that to 4K Blu-ray, that still needs a new scan, because Criterion is one still to do some 4K scans and to release it on Blu-ray. Look at La Bamba. That didn't get a 4K release yet. It was scanned in 4K, so it's always strange when I do things like that, but the player is another Blu-ray that it doesn't necessarily need a 4K upgrade, but that is one of my favorite. Actually, it is my favorite Robert Altman film, so I would love that to come to 4K Blu-ray. I get that if they don't do that, and you know what? The scan itself, it's pretty damn good. So that was a great question, buddy. I really appreciate that. And this is a Kevin Kruger question from last week that I forgot to answer, and he asks, how would you rank the following movies? Planet Terror, Death Proof, Thanksgiving, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, Desperado, From Dust Till Dawn, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Machete, and Machete Kills. A lot of Robert Rodriguez films in here, and I'm going to be honest, not the biggest Robert Rodriguez guy. I like a lot of his movies, but I never love any of his movies, if that makes any sense. I really enjoy them. You know, every couple years I can throw one of them on. I actually grew up with Spy Kids, so I really like Spy Kids. Uh, that movie's fantastic. That's actually probably one of my favorites just because of the nostalgic feelings to it. But a lot of them, you know, I just walk out of them being very entertained, but I don't really get too much more from that. So to rank them, I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way up. Number 10 is Sin City, A Dame to Kill. That one is the sequel to the original Sin City, and I just felt like it was missing all the heart from the original one. I just kind of felt phoned in from everybody. Still looks good, but didn't really enjoy it that much. And at number nine, I'm going to put Machete Kills. The two Machete movies I'm not a big fan of. Machete is at number nine. This is based on the trailer that was actually in the Planet Terror Death Proof Grindhouse release from Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino from 2007. They had fake trails in the middle. And now we've actually gotten three movies from that. We've gotten Machete, Hobo with a Shotgun, and Thanksgiving. And the original Machete is better than the... Then the second Machete, Machete Kills. Danny Trejo is fantastic in these movies. He's got a great working relationship with Robert Rodriguez. I think he might have put him on the map for acting, but don't quote me on that. I don't know how long Danny Trejo's been around. I just know that Danny Trejo is in a lot of Robert Rodriguez movies, and he's always great. Danny Trejo is a fantastic, underrated character actor. Hey, we we're just talking about Heat. He's in Heat. Well, those are eight and nine. Number seven is From Dust Till Dawn. Now, From Dust Till Dawn, I like the first half of that movie. All the way until we get up to the titty twister. Even though Quentin Tarantino does a bad job acting in this movie. George Clooney is great. I enjoy this movie. It's just that even though Salma Hayek in this movie admittedly looks absolutely gorgeous. But Salma Hayek still to this day looks absolutely gorgeous. She's one of the most beautiful women ever to ever walk this earth. So that's not really saying too much. She's just gorgeous. But the second half of that movie when it makes that twist. I don't know if you guys have seen it. So I'm not going to spoil it here. But when it makes that turn. It just doesn't work for me. That was one of those twists that I kind of felt like dragged the movie down for me and I know a lot of people love this movie but for me I enjoy the first half I like the tension that they're building up it just didn't satisfy me in the second half and at number six I got Planet Terror again packaged in with Grindhouse this one went on first before all the commercials in the middle and then obviously Death Proof went on last De uh, Planet Terror is very entertaining I really enjoy it I'm glad that they chose not to close with this one but it retains that dark dirty Grindhouse look that they were going for you can buy this in the Grindhouse collection or you can just buy it on its own on Blu-ray which is pretty cool number five Once Upon a Time in the West this is from Robert Rodriguez's Mexico trilogy and this one is also really really good I just like a lot of Robert Rodriguez movies not the biggest fan of it but Antonio Banderas is always good we just talked about him recently in Philadelphia and Antonio Banderas has such range he's still a fantastic actor he was even in Indiana Jones the dial of destiny this past year in a blink and you miss it kind of role came in for like two days of work on a CGI set and just said hey I'll get out of here take my paycheck and go but still 
He was charming as hell in those scenes. Number four, Desperado. This is probably my second favorite Robert Rodriguez movie. I really do enjoy Desperado. I love the cinematography in this movie. But at number three is going to be Sin City. This is my favorite Robert Rodriguez movie. You know, maybe it's competing with Spy Kids, but I know that Spy Kids is just for nostalgic purposes. It's nowhere near the quality of Sin City. Sin City is a fantastic movie. That beautiful black and white. The very limited use of color, but it's so powerful with the way you use it. This movie is violent. Got a good performance out of Mickey Rourke at a time when Mickey Rourke wasn't doing shit you get michael clark duncan in here bruce willis jessica alba benicio del toro i mean the cast for sin city is just huge and the movie itself is fantastic i know why people wanted that sequel i remember people asking for that sequel for years but unfortunately it just <laughs> i think it was just too little too late and it really just didn't have the heart and the creativeness of the original and plus you know the first one really did take a lot of people by surprise with how it looked and i just feel like it was really impossible to recapture lightning in a bottle twice and then at number two is Thanksgiving, already higher than all those films. Thanksgiving was a fantastic surprise from last year. We don't get slashers like this anymore. Thanksgiving is like a throwback to 1980s slashers movies. It's over the top. The horror villain is ridiculous. You love it, though. You just love that. You love the cheese that's spread all over this. You love all the kills, the over-the-top gore, the fantastic ending. Patrick Dempsey knew exactly what movie he was in. Honestly, it had great shots out of the trailer from the original fake trailer. I loved all of that. This movie, I just loved it. I had a smile on my face the entire time I was watching this movie. Is it one of the best movies ever made? No, but it's just such a fun movie. We don't have many Thanksgiving horror movies, and this will be one that I'll be revisiting every Thanksgiving. I'm hoping, you know, we do have a 4K Blu-ray this coming out in different regions. I'm hoping, my prediction is, is that Scream Factory will give us this one for this Thanksgiving, and then I can watch it every single year in beautiful 4K Ultra HD. Which brings us to number one, Death Proof. Tarantino is my favorite director of all time. Death Proof is probably his worst film, but you can revisit every single Tarantino movie, and that includes Death Proof. It's just, you know, not as polished as all the other ones, and even Quentin Tarantino himself has said that he wishes this one was a little bit better. But it's still great. I can watch any Tarantino film any time of day. And our next question is from Mr. Smelly Potato, and he said, Rank the following action stars based on the body of work. Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jason Statham, John claude Van Damme, and Chuck Norris. You actually have it almost in reverse order because at number five i'm gonna have to put chuck norris i love chuck norris but chuck norris for me there's not too many movies i run back to i actually had a buddy paul who i used to work with at a supermarket who was a big chuck norris guy you know he always would do those chuck norris jokes loved watching chuck norris movies we love to talk about lone wolf mcquaid because it has this ridiculous scene in the movie where lone wolf mcquaid's truck gets buried in the dirt or sand or whatever and he's got to like try and get it out so he thinks okay I'm going to drink this beer, I'm going to slam my foot on this pedal, and it's going to dig me out of this hole. And you know what? It does. Somehow slamming your foot down harder on the pedal makes a difference. Only in that universe. But Chuck Norris does have some great movies. Obviously, he's been around forever. Great martial artist. Then, obviously, Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, never watched it directly, but it was on the USA Network, I believe. And I think it was on After Raw a lot. So, I guess saw a lot of episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> and then, at number four, I got to put Jean-Claude Van Damme. Not the biggest Jean-Claude Van Damme guy. He's got some movies in there. He's got some gems in there, like Sudden Death, Time Clock. Time Cop, Time Clock, I'm thinking about work. Um, <laughs> Universal Soldier's probably my favorite from him. You know, I always kind of wrap him and Steven Seagal together. I don't know why. Steven Seagal's like a real piece of shit. But yet, for some reason, Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, he kind of seems more like a good person, an honest person. He's always willing to take a beating and then end up winning the fight, whereas Steven Seagal, he has to come out looking all good, even though he's not the greatest of actors. Steven Seagal is just somebody who I don't really like at all. But Jean-Claude Van Damme, I do like. It's just, I don't love 
love a lot of his movies. Like people love Lionheart or Kickboxer, and those movies are just not for me. I've watched them, and I'm like, ah, eh, they don't really do it for me. John Claude Van Damme, his charm doesn't necessarily work on me. Which brings me to number three with a guy's charm who does work on me, and that's Jason Statham. Jason Statham has been around for a very long time at this point. Uh, I first took notice of him with movies like The Transporter and The Transporter Two. That's really where I took notice of Jason Statham, but he was around before that. He was great in Snatch, where he's not really even doing his really usual angry British guy action stick that we would see him do in so many other movies like he's doing right now in The Beekeeper, like he was doing Wrath of Man from a couple of years ago. You know, he's been popping up in the Fast movies. He's fantastic in them, even when he wants to turn the comedy on and like turn the camera back on himself, make some jokes about himself in movies like, what was that, Spy or Heat from a few years ago with Melissa McCarthy. That movie was great, and he was great in that. I loved, he just, you know what, he's one of those actors, he can work great in an ensemble, and he could also have his own action vehicles for himself. Man, he's got that charm to him. He's got plays that angry British guy just so perfectly, and on top of that, great action sequences that he's involved with. Also, you know, I think the comedy really does help him. And that brings us to number two, which would be Sylvester Stallone. Now, I'm not the biggest Sylvester Stallone guy, but I gotta be honest, he has made some fantastic movies. Obviously, the Rocky franchise, the Rambo franchise, and I only like First Blood. I don't like the sequels. Cobra. It took me forever to see Cobra, and Cobra is fantastic. I'll blow this whole place up! Go ahead. I don't shut her. Even if he wants to do drama in movies like Copland, he should have won Best Supporting Actor over Mark Rylance for Creed. It That was a shame. He really got ripped off for that. And I like Bridge of Spies, and I like Mark Rylance, but that was Highway Robbery. That was the time to give it to Sylvester Stallone. He has contributed a lot to Hollywood. Don't forget, this is a guy who gambled on himself. Can he be an asshole at points? Sure. But Sylvester Stallone, I really think that he's given it his all to Hollywood, and at some point... They should have awarded him at least something. You know, this guy has written, directed, acted. You know, he's put his body through hell. Look at all the injuries he's sustained during the Rocky franchise. That was one of the biggest ripoffs in Oscar history. In a fucking show that has had so many ripoffs. It really bothers me that he didn't win for that year. And then, of course, how can it not be Arnold Schwarzenegger at number one? I don't have too many heroes. I don't get starstruck. But Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of those guys who had such an influence on me at such a young age. I saw the Terminator films at very, very young, like six or seven years old. Shouldn't have been watching them then. And then I also saw Kindergarten Cop, Twins, Commando, Conan movies, and then eventually all those 90s movies like True Lies and Eraser and, you know, Terminator 3. Like, I just loved this guy. I was interested in everything he was doing. You know, he's an inspiration. Every time he talks, you just get inspired by him. And I just love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's one of my heroes. He's one of my favorite people ever. And I just love all of his movies. You know, obviously there's some in there that aren't that great, but he's always got that charm. And I know that he's not one of the best actors ever. No one's going to accuse him of that but what he brings to the big screen is that confidence that big old jacked body and of course that Arnold Schwarzenegger charm that we all love so I have to pick Arnold Schwarzenegger in this scenario great question Mr. Smelly Potato and then the next Kevin Kruger question is what are my top five favorite video games of all time and I love talking some video games so at number five I got Grand Theft Auto Vice City I'm a big fan of 80s movies and this one is basically playing around in a big time 80s movie you know we're taking inspirations from movies like Scarface Carlito's Way, Ray Liotta doing the voice of Tommy Vicetti, but the music, this really turned me on to 80s music, man. You get Michael Jackson in there, Eddie Money. You work for me now. I live among the creatures. Oh, no. 
And I mean just a real who's who of musical artists from the 1980s. Now, they doubled down on this with San Andreas, and I love San Andreas too. I'm just such a big 80s fan. I'm going to give the slight edge to Vice City. And then at number four is The Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Most people would say Skyrim, but I remember in 2006 when Oblivion came out, just got my 360, wanted to play a new game. I didn't play Morrowind, which was on the Xbox. I decided this was the first time it was my real first RPG, and I put in, I think, 160 hours in the one save in the summer of 2006. You know, didn't have a job then. Was just playing video games and watching movies, enjoying my life. I thought this was what life was going to be. Man, I was very, very wrong about that one. But what I'm not wrong about is that The Elder Scrolls Oblivion is a fantastic game. Love that game. Some of the art hasn't aged very well. The characters, they look very scary now. But at the time, these were world-class graphics. It's one of the first games to show off the power of the 360 before Gears of War came out in Halo 3. So this one really put the Elder Scrolls and the 360 on the map for me and for Matt as well. We just loved this game and we had so much fun with it. Uh, man, that was a great summer in 06. Speaking of 2006, Splinter Cell Double Agent number 3. This one was my favorite Splinter Cell game. I know a lot of people love Pandora Tomorrow and Chaos Theory. I can appreciate that. I like those games as well. But Double Agent for me is their masterpiece. We also had an Xbox original. It was slightly different than the 360 version. But this one was amazing. I love that you were going undercover into a terrorist organization. You know, you had to play both sides where you had to, you know, you, you have a job to do. You're there to... Prove that these guys are going to destroy the Earth, essentially. So you have to sneak around. At the same time, you have to prove to them that you're one of them. So you're playing a double agent. And this movie is fantastic. Sam Fisher's Best Journey. I love the one that came after this as well. What was that? Conviction. That one was also a really fun game. I love the mechanics in that game. So those are probably my two favorite. But again, the 360 is my favorite console of all time. I had so many great memories. It was kind of before I became an adult. Like, video games just can't feel that way anymore for me personally. Just because, really, right now, I commit most of my time to movies when I have free time and you know I probably really only play like one or two games a year now which is upsetting but it's understandable as well we all have to get older and you got to pick and choose your hobbies and for me movies was always slightly ahead of video games and then at number two is Red Dead Redemption 2 I got COVID in, in January of 2021 and I don't have bad memories of it why because I played Red Dead Redemption 2 for that entire week by myself it was fantastic I absolutely loved it the second time I played the game I appreciated it more the second time around mainly because i knew what i was doing really took the time to explore because this game looks just stunning still looks stunning the towns that you go to are all amazing the main character of arthur is fantastic plus if you played the first red dead redemption you know that the story that's going on is really connected to the first game there's people in your gang who are in that game and it's fantastic i love how they combine those two to really now tell one big giant compelling story if you play red dead redemption one after you play red dead redemption two it makes red dead redemption one even better that's why people have been asking for a remake with this graphical engine because they want to play it like how you played red dead redemption 2 but you're not going to be able to capture all those rpg elements of the of red dead redemption 2 in the first one you know that was something like your hair grows your beard grows like i appreciate all that we have to go get a haircut take a bath you're out there hunting i you know you're setting up camp i just love all that and then the graphics the score i mean i can go on and on if i can count red dead redemption 2 as a film it would probably be my second favorite western of all time but of course you know it's like a 60 hour game so can't really count it wouldn't be fair still love red dead redemption 2 and then at number one is halo this is the game that turned me on to xbox i was a playstation guy i had a super nintendo then i had a playstation a playstation 2 i had an n64 xbox was coming out i didn't really care and then halo master chief 
That changed my life. I have loved the Halo franchise ever since this one, but this one, at the time, Xbox Live wasn't out yet, so you had to play split screen still. I just remember me and my brother and my cousins just all having a great time. You could do land parties with this, just running around like this, like Hang 'em High was one of the maps. You know, you jump from the top with a rocket launcher on your shoulder and just shoot another guy into the air. It was just so much fun. I think the PC port actually did have online, and then now we have the Master Chief Collection, so you can experience it, but you still can't replace those memories. So that was a great question, Kevin. Thank you so much, buddy. And the next one is from also from Kevin Kruger, and he asks, What movies do you think had the best cinematography of all time? So I actually originally wrote a list of what my favorite cinematography is, but if I'm going to rank what I think is the best cinematography, I think we have to start first with Roger Deakins. He probably is the best cinematographer of all time. He's won two Academy Awards, one for 1917 and one for Blade Runner 2049. Now, he should have won for the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. That movie is absolutely stunning. He also probably should have won for Fargo in 1996. So he has shot some of the best looking movies that I have ever seen. He is the king when it comes to shooting films. Now, I also think Interstellar personally is one of the best films that was ever shot. And that was done by Hoyt Van Hoytema, who actually shot Oppenheimer this past year. He's a fantastic cinematographer. Obviously a great working relationship with Christopher Nolan using those IMAX cameras. I think that they were at their best with Interstellar. Oppenheimer I think is overall the better film, but I still think that Interstellar is a one-of-a-kind movie. I think that's our 2001 A Space Odyssey. I know a lot of people don't like Interstellar. Um, I'm sorry. I disagree. I think the movie is an absolute masterpiece. I think that that is Christopher Nolan's number two film only behind Oppenheimer. Nolan's made, I think, in my opinion, three masterpieces you could argue for if you want to include the dark knight in that but interstellar from a visual standpoint is stunning and you gotta love the cinematography in that and speaking of 2001 a space odyssey we have to talk about some kubrick movies 2001 a space odyssey is fantastic a clockwork orange is also beautiful all these movies look different from each other the shining one of the best looking films ever but we can all agree i think that even if you don't think it's his best film barry linden is his best looking film they were using natural light to light this film and it shows candle lights oh my god barry linden looks absolutely gorgeous right now we have a criterion blue that I have myself. I'm hoping that movie comes to 4K Blu-ray. The only two movies we're missing from Stanley Kubrick, because I think we're getting one more this year, is going to be after this year, Eyes Wide Shut and Barry Lyndon. Those are the only two we haven't gotten on 4K Blu-ray. Somehow, I'm hoping we get them pretty damn soon because we absolutely deserve Barry Lyndon on 4K Blu-ray. I know it's not the most popular of movies, but still. That movie looks fantastic. And you wanted to include another movie that out for the Criterion's release that has beautiful cinematography and has a 4K Blu-ray release, The Red Shoes. That's also one of the best-looking films that I have ever seen. Definitely check that one out if you're a fan of cinematography. It's a story that you've seen and heard before. You know, it was done a long, long time ago. They were doing some really cool coloring techniques with the film. I just love that movie. And then I also want to talk about Ernest Dickerson. He worked with Spike Lee all the way up until 1992's Malcolm X, and then he went on to become a director himself. We just talked about Juice this past week. But that means that he shot films like Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X, which are two of my favorite films to ever be shot. Do the Right Thing, though, I really love what they did while creating that summer feeling. Like, I have to watch Do the Right Thing in the summer, mainly because you feel the heat, and that all comes from the cinematography, painting those buildings red. It feels hot while you're watching that movie. You're getting hot under the collar while watching that movie. That's how good that cinematography is, and that it's all credited to Ernest Dickerson. And then I gotta talk about Robert Richardson, another great cinematographer who's worked with Martin Scorsese, 
Mark, Michael Chapman's another person who works with Martin Scorsese a lot. He's another great, great cinematographer. I was talking about him, how he shot Ghostbusters 2, and I think that's why you see a visual increase from the first Ghostbusters, but we're going to talk quickly about Robert Richardson and how he shot Casino. That was really the first movie that kind of made me take notice of cinematography. I just always think about the Cadillac pulling up at the airport, going into that one spotlight, and we just got it shot underneath at the front of the car, and uh, it looks so gorgeous. Then you get the shot in the desert with the car driving and you can see it in the sunglasses the shots in the bar where we get that like glowing white light behind everybody that's kind of what he's known for is this type of cinematography and it just looks so good in casino i think that's his chef's kiss of a masterpiece one day i'll do my top 10 films ranked in order for best cinematography if you guys want to see it let me know in the comment section below if no one really cares i won't do it but i love talking cinematography so that was a great question kevin thank you so much buddy and we have one more kevin Kruger question and we also have a rico gomez question that was specifically for faith we'll ask those questions both next week when faith's back on the show so we'll save those for then but this is going to be the end of this week's show i hope you guys enjoyed it and if you did don't forget to hit that like button hit that subscribe button turn notifications on share this video and we also have channel memberships if you want to join that we have a friends of the channel tier and then we also have the producers tier where you can find mr smelly potato john doe juggalo jason martin and nocturnal and we also have a director's tier where you can find frank rodriguez right now the director's tier has their own choice review each and every month that's where the dark and the wicked came from frank recommended that movie to me and thank god he did that movie is fantastic go watch that review and let me know what you think of that movie it really is an underrated horror gem that just flew by me and i hope it doesn't fly by other people that's one that more people should definitely check out but if you got no money to throw away guys don't you guys worry about that we just appreciate you checking out this video and we just hope you enjoyed it and if you did don't forget to get out in those streets tell your friends about us and then after you're done doing all that we'll be seeing you around <laughs>